Hey everybody, if you listen to the Great Light Podcast, I have a favor to ask of you. Would you go and leave us a review? That's a great way that you can help us to get the podcast out in front of more people. For whatever reason, when we get more positive reviews on the podcast, it encourages the podcast platforms to put out our content in front of more people. So that would be a great help if you could just take a a couple minutes, leave a review, um, let us know what you think. It's always helpful and encouraging for me as well to see what you're being helped by, what content you're you're learning from and, and things like that. So again, if you could do us a big favor, take a couple minutes, leave a review, and I would very much appreciate it. listening to the Great Light Podcast. This podcast is a production of Great Light Studios. For more information and resources, or to watch our films, go to greatlightstudios.com or find us on Facebook or YouTube. If you would like to support the ministry of Great Light Studios, you can do so easily and securely through our website. There, you can also find both video and audio versions of the podcast. All right, we are doing a another live Zoom meeting, Zoom meeting number seven uh, with Kelsey Wells and Steve Matthews. We have uh, several things uh, we want to talk about, some um, comments that we've got recently on some of our recent videos that we want to respond to. Um, I want to just start and ask that you guys would uh, help us. It helps us a lot if you like these videos, comment. Um, it, even after the live stream is over, comment in the, uh, the comment section of the video, comment things that, um, you know, any thoughts you have, questions you have after we finish the conversation, uh, things like that. Uh, obviously sharing this video, things like that help get the, get the word out. Um, I do want to mention too, we have a lot of, of things in the works right now, a lot of projects going on. Um, some bigger, some bigger projects. I don't want to fully give details on at the moment, but some bigger projects that um, kind of we as a team are kind of working toward, uh, and all that involves uh, money, unfortunately. And so, if you want to support anything that we're doing, you can go to Patreon.com/slash Great Light Studios. That's a great way to support us uh, in, in continuing to to do this. Um, and so, uh, with that said. Let's let's just jump in real quick. We'll wait and see if we get anybody uh, that jumps on and asks some live questions. I know it's kind of late tonight, so we might not have um, the normal crowd. But um, we had several points we want to talk about. The first thing um, I want to say is just announcing the uh, the Staff of Moses series that we've been talking about for a while. We have been we've spent the past um, couple of weeks we've been working on that. Um, we have. The first two chapters have been recorded. Uh, we've walked through those, and and the part one, uh, as we go through chapter one, the part one video will come out this week. Um, I'm thinking it'll be Wednesday, uh, but it'll come out this week. So be looking for that. Uh, there's some, I think, really good stuff in there. I'm excited uh, for you guys to to see and hear. Um, secondly. Uh, I want to just get into a little bit to just have kind of a dialogue with with Kelsey and Steve about this issue. If you've been following our the community um, 
tab on our channel, um, I've, I've recently posted a question uh, asking if any other members of the WMSCOG have had experiences like this. I've been I've been getting uh, emails. I've been seeing it in comments. Um, I think Kelsey's seen it in a couple places on social media pages where members are talking about how this year with Passover, they were not allowed to keep the Passover due to their lack of tithing enough. Um, and so, Kelsey, you've had some, uh, you, you've seen some of that uh, members talking about that, haven't you? Yeah, I've seen it just here and there posted online um, on like, uh, yeah. And so I was pretty surprised to, to see that because that wasn't uh, a regulation before in the church. I can say that honestly, um, okay. because I mean, like right before the Passover, they call, you know, so many members who haven't shown up for probably since last Passover and say, hey, come and keep the Passover. And those people obviously hadn't been tithing. Um, so when I saw that, that some people were now posting online that, you know, in order to, they were told that in order to be able to keep the Passover, they had to have been tithing consecutively for, for three months. I was I was pretty, pretty surprised, but I can believe it because I'm sure with COVID restrictions in, in some states, they probably can't have like a whole uh, congregation sitting in there. So my guess is that's probably one of the determining factors okay. of who gets to keep Passover versus who has to keep second Passover is probably the more um, fervent members who are giving money to the church. Okay. But, okay. So Steve, tell us like this, this concept, regardless of why they're doing it or, or even, you know, even if certain Zions may, may or may not be putting this restriction on members, um, the, regardless of all that, the point remains that there are, there, we, we've personally heard many testimonies of people who are experiencing that. Um, and, and so if, if you're a member, too, who has experienced that not being allowed to keep Passover due to your lack of tithing, that's something that I'd like to hear in the comments. So let us know in the comments if that's been your experience. But, Steve, like from a uh, biblical uh, uh, point of view, from a point of view of thinking about what Jesus taught and, and, and ultimately from a point of view of understanding what the gospel really is, why why is that problematic, This this idea that unless you tithe enough, unless you're tithing appropriately, you cannot partake in the Passover. Well, we just finished a, a show, which is Staff of Moses, chapter two. And in that video, we talk about salvation being a free gift. Um, there's no conditions attached. You know, there's certain things that arise out of, from being a believer, but not to become a believer. And this is a pattern I see often with, you know, false new religious movements, they'll, they'll have the idea that you got to do these good works to become saved. And I'll often say to them, look, you bark, you don't bark to become a dog. You bark because you are a dog. Yeah. You don't do the good works to become saved. You do the works because you already are saved. Mm -hmm. It's almost kind of reminiscent of the Catholics at the time of the Reformation where they kind of had indulgences. Yeah, exactly. and to, yeah. And you had to kind of, uh, pay a bit of money to have, you know, people get saved. And that's really nonsense. It's, it's, it's corrupt. And it's kind of like the money changers. It's just, it's just like, you know, God is a God of purity. God is a God of the heart of grace and uh, salvation is a free gift. And anytime you try to do anything that can even seem like any appearance of that, I think it's, it's just not, 
it's not of the Lord. Exactly. So let me let me pull up. I'm going to pull up on the screen here. Um, I'm going to pull up two passages of scripture just to look at that I think make a pretty clear display of why this is problematic. So the first one I'm going to go to is Isaiah 55. The second one I'm going to look at, I think it's important to look at Revelation 22, 17 in the context of this discussion. Um, but Isaiah 55, I love this chapter. This is, this is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Um, but the, the message here I think is very clear. So, so in verse one, it says, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters and he who has no money, come buy and eat without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Um, so come buy and eat without money. This is, this is an invitation. I think this is the Lord, like this is from the, 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 um, the viewpoint of the Lord. This is him speaking, giving an invitation to the world saying, come to the living water, come to the bread of life. And, and you can do this, even those of you who have no money, who have nothing to give. And this, this, you know, this is, this is the ministry of Jesus right here. This is, you see Jesus doing this by, by preaching in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, preaching that blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. Jesus went after the low of the low, the people who were despised and rejected, the people who the world thought were, uh, were not worthy of, of God, were not worthy of righteousness. And Isaiah 55 kind of um, really kind of puts that into perspective. And so we see that, that, that there, that's just one, one Old Testament scripture that makes very clear that the gospel is something that is given freely. Salvation is something that is given freely as a free gift. Um, and then real quick, and then I'll see if you guys have any other thoughts or scriptures um, relating to this, but uh, Revelation twenty two seventeen, which again is is obviously a pretty big scripture for this whole conversation for this group, and so uh, the spirit and the bride say, "Come, let the one who hears say, come, let the one who is thirsty come, uh, let the one who desires take the water of life without price." Um, so, in in the WMSCOG's mindset, like the the Passover is is the only way of forgiveness. Like if, if you don't have Passover, you don't have forgiveness. So this is no small thing that they're doing by saying, look, if you haven't tithed enough, you can't keep Passover. They're not, that's not a small thing. In essence, they're saying, look, if you don't tithe enough, you can't have salvation. And so you have in, in, the, in these situations, these many situations that we're hearing about with these World Mission Society Church of God members who have not been allowed to partake in Passover because of their lack of tithing, what, it, what the WMSCOG is telling them is that your salvation, it's a transaction. You have to have enough, literally, you have to have enough physical money to be able to purchase your forgiveness of sins. They <laughs> so also what, teach what that there's, that? well, they also teach that there's only two ways that we can return to God. And we need to do both of those two things. One of which is keeping the Passover. The second of which is tithing. So... The only the only two ways we can return to God and we have to do both are those two items. So, really? yes, so, yes, yes. So even so even if, so what you're saying with that then is that even if we don't have these testimonies, these many testimonies that we do have of these members that are reaching out to us, 
even if we don't have those within the WMSCOG's own teachings, you still have that. You still have tithing put on this pedestal to where it is a, a requirement mm-hmm. in order to be, re, what did you say, restored? Well, I guess, to yeah, to, to, to return to God is that they have to, to tithe. So that is a, I mean, that is a requirement within the church. But that being said, again, you know, to, to reiterate, in the past, um, they were not strict that you had to tithe to be able to keep the Passover. I mean, I saw people who I, you know, again, I hadn't seen since the last Passover, who literally just got baptized and only shows up for Passover, right? They don't tithe. They don't even give offering on Passover, but they still come and then keep it. But um, but the WMS does teach, you know, regardless of tithe, right, because tithe is a 10 percent, you are expected to give an offering when you do keep the Passover. And to to justify that, they show Deuteronomy 16, 16, that says three times a year we are to appear before God. And one of one of those is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which they group together with Passover. So when we keep the Passover, we can't come empty handed we have to bring an offering. So we have to bring money when we come and keep the Passover. So okay. if Passover is a free gift for salvation, why do we need to pay for it? That's exactly. why I would say that they're, they're the, you know, pushing that Passover is a way to salvation doesn't match up with what the Bible says that salvation needs to be free when they put a price on Passover. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Steve, t- like, like kind of contrast that to the true gospel and maybe make a, Make a bit of a, a uh, what am I trying to say? Like, a, um, explain maybe through contrasting with that, like, what, it, what is the true gospel? What, what is this gospel about? What is this message of salvation that Jesus came to get? What, like, like Jesus promised things like, like the verses you, you mentioned in this, this recent video we put out that, that his burden is light, his yoke is easy. So, so again, this is such a big deal. So maybe like contrast what that is and, and then make like a bit of a push for the true gospel. Well, simple as like the hymn says, Jesus paid it all. You know, there's no, you know, nothing we can do can contribute to our salvation. You know, often with these different groups, they don't, they have this look like almost like, you know, we're in a place that God will totally take care of us as opposed to a Christian view, which says, listen, and this is kind of what I went through myself because when I was ready to join a group, I was a couple weeks away from getting baptized in a different group and I had a Christian share with me, but the whole tendency, you know, is just like saying all this good stuff that God's got for you. Instead of saying, listen, you are a rotten lost sinner in daily rebellion with God. They minimize sin. These people, all these groups, and I think Christians have a much healthier view that, you know, we're alienated from God because of our sin. And, you know, God doesn't owe us anything. And without God's grace, without God's mercy and intervention, we are set for eternal separation from God. And it's not like, you know, we're on, in a good place with God just before, you know, we come to God. It's, it's basically we are completely lost. We're, we're, we fall on our face before him. We plead for mercy, and by his grace and love, yeah, we have a shot at it. But um, the idea of putting any price attached, you know, people, it's human nature to feel good. Like, yeah, I participated in my own salvation. I brought up the verse a couple of weeks ago in Isaiah 64, 6, where it says, all our, fil- all our righteousness hangs as filthy rags in the eyes of God. 
And I mean, we could do the most amazing things. I think I said, I said a couple weeks ago, we can, you know, sell our possessions. We can, you know, sacrifice our time, do all these great things. But in God's eyes, even the most amazing things we do, humanly speaking, are just like a filthy rag. And, you know, the concept of paying it, you know, it's been paid for in Calvary. And that's, that's the bottom line. Um, there's a real contrast with that. And I would definitely encourage you, you know, if you're in the church of God, how, how do you think you're achieving any sense of relationship with God? Are you kind of getting points by, you know, keeping seven feasts and three times, um, you know, do your preaching work, uh, any of that stuff? Or are you actually, you know, coming just empty, just bowing down to your maker and realizing that, you know, he paid it all. There's nothing you can do. Um, and it's, it's that it's just a big radical different mindset. Yep. And I'd like to just tag on to something. There is a point system within the church. I mean, you're, you're all your attendance is tracked for every single service. Um, you, you have to bear at least 10 talents and a talent is like where you preach to someone, they get baptized. Um, they study all the, the subjects, they, um, start to tithe and they themselves bear fruit. That's a talent. So you have to preach to 10 people who become like that in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. I was told that very specifically starting from 2010. So, I, I mean, absolutely use it a point system. You're tracking how many, I mean, they're tra- the church tracks how many people you bring into the church, not just the talents, but because oftentimes the church has a high turnover rate. So oftentimes you preach to someone, they get baptized, and then they, they find out the truth about the church and they never want to come back again. So you're like how many fruit you you bring into the church, you know, you're you have points for that. Um, you know, I like I was saying in the a little bit earlier um, when we were talking is that um, around 2010, when they were doing the 10 talents movement, the people who did bear 10 talents, they received um, a, an, like an award from John Gilja. Um, it was like I don't know if it was a coin or like a little brass ball or something it was like one eat one item represented like a planet or a star that you were going to get in the kingdom of heaven when you got there and so everything is measured within this church like how often you preach um you know how many times like or how many times like you you tithe you give zion offerings you give you know these things like all of this is measured within the church (laughs) and so to you know there. 100% 100% exist a point system. And another thing, oh, too. And oh, sorry, sorry. One person in the comments says, What does it mean to bear fruit? Um, so, bear fruit means you preach to someone and they come to the, the church and get baptized. So, that person who just got baptized that you brought into the church, that's your fruit. So, I just want to. And, Jordan, another thing is there's almost like two classes of believers and they kind of have this dangling over your head. So, if you're just like a regular run-of-the-mill believer, you know, by doing, you know, going to your meetings and preaching and studying and all the stuff you got to do. But then you can, if you really work hard enough and give enough and do it, you can become one of the 144,000. So this is like an extra level. Like this is like super Christian time. So if you could, it's kind of like a different rank. And we don't find that in God's family. Everything, you know, we're all the same. There's no divisions, no barriers, all that's been torn down. But for, for the church, they'll say, like, if you're extra committed, you're going to even get a higher level. Now you're going to make it to the 144,000. And now you're a real special class. Yep. Kelsey, what do you think on that? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, they even have a they have a, a video um, regarding like, you know, those who receive the best of the best in the kingdom of heaven. Um, it's the mother's uh, it, it's like a three part series where they explain, you know, the sin we committed in heaven, um, what that did to God, the mother. And then because of our sin, we committed in heaven. She came to this earth. And the third part is called the coronation ceremony, where literally it's like uh, it's a play of um, God, the father and God, the mother sitting on their thrones and judging each person one by one and saying you watch video games because of this you lost this or you know you did that you you in the face of persecution you overcame so now you get this so listing like all the things one by one like the good things and the bad things and what happened as a result so i mean they they depict it to us i mean i remember members even myself writing down all the reasons like why like someone was able to enter heaven or not or why somebody lost a blessing in the kingdom of heaven or not so i mean and another thing another thing that's kind of funny is the resurrection bread so they have that stinky korean rice resurrection bread that's soaked in the sesame oil right and they say that you know what that stuff tastes bomb let me tell you (laughs) oh that's that was good the rice cakes were good the passover bread was awful i know but that stuff was bomb Oh, like this special Korean thing. I mean, it's guess, rice cakes. It's rice cakes. Yeah, That's rice it cakes. And it's, it's very yeah. sesame seed. So a lot of people kind of, you know, like really hate it, but they have this thing where if you eat more of that rice cake, it kind of gives you an extra level of spirituality. Oh, they and, say your eyes are open to recognize Christ. Right. And you yeah. can actually. The physical rice cake. Outside yeah. of design, you take it's it home. And more bread. It, yeah. The more you eat of it, you kind of yeah. get this extra blessing and closeness to God, okay. which is just silly. Well, and that's, no. that's, and, well, and that's, let me, that's uh, yeah, no, go ahead, Kelsey. Go ahead. I was just going to say about that bread, though. I mean, because they give that bread on the, the Feast of Resurrection and then usually they have leftovers and they say anybody who wants to take this to a member hasn't been tending. So we would have to like drive this bread. It wasn't bread. It was it was rice cake. Right. Anybody. So we had to like drive it to, to members who didn't show up so that they would and they had to eat it in front of you because you had if they didn't eat it, you had to eat it after them. And so I remember driving all like three hours back to my uh, home um, to be able to give this to my family. (laughs) They refused to eat it. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Guys, we got a a couple questions. I want to, I want to just grab before um, they, they get hidden. Um, So, so first I just want to say hello. Hello to Chrissy, Heather, and and everybody else who's joined. Thanks for, uh, watching um so natanya atei i'm saying that wrong i know but she or he sorry asked so what happens when you get baptized and did research on the church and stop attending so so i'm going to assume that that maybe you're coming from a place of like wondering if if you being baptized in the church if that's like this this grave unforgivable sin type thing i I don't know maybe if that's where you're coming from you can clarify if, if that's not but but I would just tell you that um, if you were baptized in this group, you've realized that it's not true. I would just say uh, go, go in, in, and run after Jesus. And um, there's, you know, that's that's that is not something that can't be forgiven or redeemed or or anything like that. Um, uh, and, and I would say to think about this gospel message that we're we're trying to convey in this that the gospel is uh, salvation is something that is offered freely that verse we just read earlier from isaiah 55 uh that says let me pull this up real quick 
So everyone who thirsts, it says, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. And then if you drop down to verse three, he says, incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. And so this is like, this is an invitation from Jesus to anybody, whether you've been baptized in this group or not saying, listen, there, there's a better way. He's saying, come. And, and it's interesting that the only stipulation, the only condition, the only requirement put on what he's offering here is this. Here. He says, just here. Incline your ear. Listen. And these are like often this word here throughout the Bible is interchangeable with faith. He's saying, listen to me in a way where, where like trust in me. Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to the words, my my promises. Listen to the, the goodness of God, you know, that's communicated in the scriptures. And he's saying, just, just believe in that, receive that and embrace that in your own life and then obey Jesus, follow him. Um, and so that, that would be what I would, I would just encourage you with is that if you've been baptized in that into the WMSC OG already, like, look, that's not, God's not up in heaven, like just angry at you or disappointed and just like, why did you do that? And like, you, you, you know, you went the wrong way and now you have no chance or anything like that. He would, he would be saying to you, I think what he says in Isaiah 55, he'd want you to come to him and, and find life for your soul, find peace and joy that I promise you the WMSUG just cannot give you. Um, so, uh, so Steve, Heather Ledesma asked, uh, was Steve in the WMSCOG? No, I wasn't. I was actually uh, about to join another group. And through that, I've come, become an expert in all cult groups. Uh, this is a group that I'm very worried about right now. Um, they're very uh, zealous. They're on campuses. One of the things I'm really worried about, Heather, is that, you know, we had a talk um, on a previous video where I say how certain groups just steal your life away. And there's a, such a thing as we call it a high demand group. So often someone coming out from the Mormons, for example, they're not going to come out the same way as someone who left the World Mission Society, Church of God, who will say, hey, I just lost like 11 years of my life. You know, a group like Mormons is as wrong as they are. They're not as high demand where they want you to be, you know, at the local church every day and doing all this work. And, you know, they want 10 percent. They don't want 40 percent of your money, but they're not as high demand. And, you know, a lot of people leave those groups and they won't be as badly damaged where they'll say, oh, I just lost, you know, five, 10 years of my life. They'll say, listen, I was deceived. I was messed up. I believed the false gospel. And now my eyes are open to that. But there's a whole different dynamic I find in groups like, you know, the International Christian Church offshoot the Boston Movement. The, um, you know, Hare Krishna, obviously, some of those radical groups, but like the World Mission Society, Church of God, they really, uh, they take away all your life and time and, and energy and high demand. You, yeah, high demand. You miss graduations and funerals and all Wedding. these important events. Yeah, you, you miss it all. So thankfully, it wasn't that. So I'm very concerned about this group. And, um, you know, I don't want us to wake up one day when there's 10 million of them. We want to give answers and show that, you know, there's it's definitely a flawed theology. And um, on the human level, you know, the high demand part is really going to suck away the best years of your life. Okay, so Steve, that, that would be a good segue into something else we want to talk about, which is answering a lot of comments we're getting about 
you know, why, why, why are you attacking this church? Why, why are you spending so much time, you know, attacking us? And why don't you attack other groups? So I want to get to that. But real quick, I think just to kind of finish off what we're talking about, about the, the gift of salvation being free. Um, and, and if you're just joining, we, we're talking about a lot of members that we're hearing from. I'm hearing in emails, we're, we're seeing in, in comments on YouTube and other social media places, members who are, who are telling us that they weren't allowed to keep the Passover this year because they weren't tithing enough. And you also got to think about what the year of 2020 was like for a lot of people financially because of the pandemic. And a lot of people's financial situation was not good. And so, you know, I've had one person tell me specifically that because of the pandemic, they, you know, they're, they're, they were uh, suffering more financially than usual. And so they weren't able to tithe, which translated into, therefore, they weren't able to keep the Passover. So this is a big deal because in essence, the WMSCOG in doing this is making a very clear statement that salvation is something to be purchased, is something to be mm-hmm. bought with cash, with USD dollars. And that is just, I mean, guys, that's ridiculous. That, that's, this, is, this is another time where I'd say, please just go pick up the Bible and read it for yourself. And you're going to see something that is, you're going to see a message like in Isaiah 55 that completely just uh, uh, contradicts that idea of salvation. But I got a, I got a comment here. I'm going to pull up. I want you guys to look at because this this really uh, gets at the heart of of what um, what we're talking about here. And this this is something that a, a member uh, said to me in the comments recently. Um, now I want to point out that um, give me one second. Actually, I'm going to pull this up, make it a little bit bigger. But I know that not all members would word it this way. And, and actually, when I kind of pushed. Um, I pushed this member a little bit on this comment that he made um, and he kind of began to uh, sort of retract what he said a little bit. Um, sorry, I kind of lost it. Here we go. So and if, um, and if this member is happens to be in the chat, you know, please, uh, please, you know, if, if we misrepresent you in any way, please exactly. put, the, put it in the comments. Right. I mean, in the and, live chat. Yes. So, so here he said, uh, I, I was kind of pushing this person on the question I'm, I'm asking. My favorite question to ask right now concerning this whole thing is why didn't the apostles preach Passover in the book of Acts? To me, that's just, that's, that's a, a you know, a one shot, you know, do away of, of all the WMCOG doctrine. If you really understand the, the significance of that question, but uh, we ha- we've been having a conversation and this person said, um, okay, they receive the Holy Spirit without baptism. Um, then after, uh, let me jump down here. So, so he's talking about Passover and the feast. He says it's so they can make sure they kept their inheritance. Um, they, okay, so I'm sorry. They we received the Holy the be- Spirit. Yeah. yeah, let's start from the beginning. Sorry, I'm trying to get to the point, but I think... Let's set some context. So, so okay, here's the context. I told him that in Acts, in the book of Acts, you see multiple examples where uh, Paul, Peter, the apostles will preach the gospel. The p- person will believe. They won't keep Passover, but it will be said that they receive the Holy Spirit, or it will be sa- said that their, for, their sins are forgiven. They never keep the Passover, but yet they receive the Holy Spirit and their sins are forgiven. So I'm asking this person, mm-hmm. why is that? And how is that possible if Passover is a requirement for the forgiveness of sins? So this is what he said. Okay, they received the Holy Spirit without baptism. Then after Peter urged them to get baptized. Why? They received the Holy Spirit. 
why they need to get baptized now that they are forgiven, right? And so they can make sure they kept their inheritance. That's why. Um, and also, they were keeping the feast to make sure they continued to have the Holy Spirit. But just like if you were homeless and you received a home, and the only way to keep the home is by continuing to pay for it. But let's say one day you stop paying, will you still keep the home? Absolutely not. And so uh, this, this member, after I kind of called him on that, um, kind of tried to explain away his usage of the words pay or paying. But what that told me is that I think that was actually a member being honest about how they are approaching God. That was a member communicating to me. And he, he was putting, he was explaining his idea, his perception of the gospel, his perception of how God relates to us and how salvation comes. He's putting it in words that made sense to his, his way of relating to God. And what that looked like is him saying, I have to continually pay and make payments on my salvation. Like in the same way you make payments on a home, if you buy a home, you have to keep up your payments on it or you're going to lose that house. Well, what is that? That, That's a transaction. That's not, that's not, not yeah, that's unrecognizable from the gospel that Paul taught or or Peter taught. Based on a faulty view of salvation. Right. Okay. So, so again, I know that not every member would word it that way, but I think right. it's significant that there are members who are in the WMSCOG, and this is the kind of ideology that it's producing in members. This is the kind of conception of the gospel that so many members have. That is a problem. Um, that's not the gospel. The gospel is something that we freely receive. And if we're trying to, if we're trying to relate to God in that way, if we think that it's us paying for it, we're, we're, we're making payments and then God is like giving us a paycheck or, or, or allowing us to stay in the house because we're keeping our payments on time. We're, we're missing it. Like you're not going to have peace. You're, you're never going to have peace that way. How can it's you lay on your deathbed Jordan, and have it's peace? Nonsensical. It's pretty nonsensical too, because you think about it. I mean, you know, people are all going to sin anyway. So, okay. So you're trying to be a good person, right? So you knocked off like 200 sins. Oh, wow. Now you're only down to 500 sins a week. It's like, right. you know, seriously, when you really think about it, it's, it's kind of ridiculous because, you know, you're still a sin factory. And that's the thing. The, the, the way the, the New Testament and the Old Testament would describe it is that when you are covered by the atoning sacrifice, by the blood of Christ, God no longer sees your sins. He looks at you and he sees Christ's righteousness over you, the covering. He doesn't even see that you've sinned anymore. You know, what you're advocating is thinking, oh, I'm not going to sin as much, but there's still a boatload of sins enough to send you to hell many times. Unless you've got the sins covered where God doesn't see anything, he sees Christ's righteousness when he looks at you, it's game over. Right. So here we go. Here's just maybe a, a good summary verse. So Galatians 3, starting at verse 10 Paul says, all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. What he's saying there is that if you want to relate to God based on law, then you can't just say, okay, I've, you know, if you're honest with yourself, just ask yourself, have you fully, perfectly kept the law? Even the new covenant law, have you kept it perfectly, flawlessly, without, without uh, any errors? Well, if you even like the, what what Paul is saying here is that like if you if you mess up on even one even the slightest smallest part of the law 
like James will say, then you're guilty of it all. If you stumble in one point, right. then you're guilty of breaking the whole law. And so if your relationship with God, you feel like it's dependent on your ability to continue to keep the law enough in a, in a good enough way to keep these payments going, then Paul says you are under a curse. Curse is George- everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. An illustration I like to give is just like, you know, just say you're going to work one day, you're running late and you come up to a red light or stop sign and you kind of just blow right past it. And just, oh gosh, a motorcycle cop pulls over, nails you that day. Um, you, you, what are you going to say when the cop pulls you over? Hey, officer, you know, I've stopped there, you know, 500 times before, a thousand times before. Right. Look, officer, my good works outweigh my bad works a thousand to one. Well, you know, if the cop is going to be righteous and honest, he's still going to cite you for a ticket, even though you did wrong. God is more righteous, more honest than any police officer. And even if you've done one area, you're still guilty of all. So, you know, and that's that's where the good news comes in, where Paul says, you know, it, it now it is clear. He says that no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous shall live by faith. The law, however, is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. So what he's saying there is like the, the righteousness that is based on the law is dependent on doing. It, it's, it's, it's based on what you do or do not do. That's why it says the man who does these sayings will live by them. So again, he, he's setting up this contrast of different ways to relate to God, either by faith or by works. And he's saying the one who relates to God based on works and law is dependent on what he does and whether he does it well enough. If you do it well enough, if you do what you're supposed to do, then the, the transaction, the payment you get is life. You get to live. And that's and exactly Paul, how you feel when you're in the church, yeah. too, is that it gets to the, I mean, yeah, like you're taught, like, okay, you have to do X, Y, and Z to be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. But but very quickly, it, it stops becoming about, you know, about, how do I say, about God, about Christ. And now it's about, okay, like, about you. am I doing X, Y, and Z? And then am I doing X, Y, and Z correctly? Right. Am I doing it faithfully? What's my mind when I'm doing it? It's just, it becomes so much more that you're just consumed with. It's not just like, I want to keep the Sabbath day because I want to honor God. It mm-hmm. becomes, I need to keep the Sabbath day. I need to make sure I'm there by 8 a.m. I need to make sure that I'm dressed like this. I need to make sure I have all my, all my activity, like uh, all my materials with me. I need to have, right. you know, I need to make sure I brought enough money for um, the, the, the food for the, the day. Like, you know, it just, it just becomes about so much more, but it's not about God. It's not about exactly. And another thing, another thing is when they try and recruit you as a new member, you know, they're going to say, okay, listen, um, we've uh, done a few studies. We want you to come Saturday to Sunday morning, Saturday morning, Sabbath service. And then maybe then they're going to get closer. You'll come at Sabbath service a couple of times. Oh, now look, we need to come to stay a while. Come to second service. You have lunch with us and do a bit of a study. Stay second. And then before you know it, you're all day there Saturday. Then, you know, they're going to add on third day service and they're going to work their way up to, you know, going to Ellis Academy and whatever fun drives they do, um, Mm -hmm. preaching. So what started off really like it's a grooming process. Right. But, Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. If it was really necessary for salvation, then they should have told you that at the outset. It's kind of deceptive. You know, later on in your life, after you've been a member for a while, they're going to say, hey, 
uh, you know, well, it's too bad that your dad died and he's not a member of his funerals on a Saturday. You're just going to have to sit that one out. Let the dead bury the dead. Right. You're not going. But, right. you know, they kind of work your way up slowly, kind of, you know, knock down your boundaries and introduce you to more and more. And then they pile it on, pile it on, stack, 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 all the list of requirements. And then at that point, you miss any of it. You're lost. And it makes me think, Steve, like you made such a good point. And this is this is an example I use, too, of the gospel. Like, I can't remember. I don't know if we were in live yet when you mentioned this, but you, you talked about like the difference between trying to bark enough in order to become a dog or barking because you already are a dog. And so that's that's such a simple, great analogy of, of the true gospel versus a false gospel, uh, one of works. So like Kelsey, what you just described, it's like it's like if somebody comes up and tells you, hey, like it, you, if you don't figure out how to become a dog, like you're 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 going to burn forever in eternity. Mm-hmm. And then what are you going to do? Well, in fear and anxiety and guilt and anxiousness, you're going to go out and you're going to like start trying to bark and you're going to start like sniffing, you know, acting like dogs behind. You're going to try to do as best as you can do to act like a dog, but you're never going to be a dog. You can try all you want to be a dog. You're never going to be a dog. But what if what if the gospel is not about that? Like what if the gospel is about God saying, look, this is a requirement. Like you do have to be a dog and that using a dog is maybe not the best. Maybe we should use like a, a dove or something, <laughs> but, um, but you get the point. Like God saying you have to become a dog because, because, because of who I am, I you know, um, you have sins and those need atoned for you have to become a dog. Uh, what if the gospel is actually about God saying, but, but, it's not up to you to figure out how to become that dog. I, right. I actually am going to do that for you. And I have done that for you. I've made the way I've provided everything needed. It is finished. The gospel is about God saying, look, I demand, you know, you have to be righteous. The righteous will inherit the kingdom of God. What does that send so many people out, including Christians, including me in times in life, I go out and I, you know, we can go out and start trying to become righteous. We try to become the dog. We start trying to bark enough, wag our tails enough, and it's exhausting. It doesn't work. And that's what Paul's trying to say to the Galatians all through the book of Galatians. He's saying, look, the whole point of the gospel is that we've been set free from that. That's why Paul will begin, if like the book of Ephesians, he, the first three chapters is, is not Paul doesn't tell believers what to do until like chapter four and five. He spends three chapters telling believers who they are already saying, you are already a son of God. You are already a child of light. And then, you know, at chapter four, he begins to say, because this is who you are, because you are a child of light, now walk in the light. And that that's the difference between you know, the exhausting, burdensome, heavy load of trying to become something that you can never become by your own efforts and abilities. And the true gospel, which says, no, we, we become that freely, not based on anything that we are, anything we bring to the table. We just simply come to God, come to that living water, receive it. And then God, God begins to look at us differently. He identifies us as children of God. And he says, you are a child of God. You are a child of light. Now just walk like that. Keep Sabbath if you want, but keep it because you love me and you know that you already are accepted by me. Don't keep it because you think that by doing certain things on Saturday, that's going to win my approval over. Uh, Well, this group came from the Seventh-day Adventists and the Seventh-day Adventists are heavy, heavy law, law, law. So Mm -hmm. they have like the dietary laws. They have the Sabbath, all all these different requirements that they pile on you. 
And these are things, if you look at Galatians chapter 3, it tells you the purpose of the law. And it says the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. But now that Christ has come, we're no longer. So basically, it's like a mirror to show your sins, to show Mm -hmm. you how you fall short. But you can never, you know, get to the point where you can earn anything. Basically, you're you're misusing the law, which is just basically the mirror to show you. You can't rely on the mirror for salvation itself. It's just to show you that I am utterly lost and worthless in God's eyes without his grace. And I can't contribute a, a wit towards it. Yep. And so in the W and in, in the WMS too, like you will never be good enough. Mm-hmm. You will never meet their standards. Um, even if you, uh, it seems like you are, they won't let you know that you will never be good enough to enter the kingdom of heaven. There's always mm-hmm. something more you have to do. Mm-hmm. And, and that's then how you feel hard to become 144,000. Even right. if you on that, even if you're a great deacon or missionary, right. or whatever, there's still room for improvement. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. let's, Let's wrap this up. I'm just going to finish. I'm going to finish this section here of Galatians and just kind of give this to you guys listening to just take and meditate on, especially if you're a member. This is something I would encourage you to do if you're a member. Go by yourself, take the book of Galatians, read it from chapter one to the end, and, and just w- take off for a moment. Just take off the WMSCOG lenses when you read this. Take them off, put them to the side. Trust that God is able to reveal what Galatians is about without all all your deacons and leaders telling you what it says. Take the book, read it, and ask yourself, what is Paul trying to say here? What is he saying about the gospel? What is he saying what what the gospel is really about? Um, So I'm just going to finish with this verse, and then let's let's move on to another topic that I wanted to cover. So verse 13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing promised to Abraham would come to the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. The gospel is free. Jesus' burden is light. His yoke is easy. And we receive everything you're striving so hard to attain that you're never going to attain. It's freely available. Um, to those who simply receive it by trusting uh, God and, and his promises and what he has uh, said. Jesus' words of the cross, when he said it is finished, he, in Greek is tetelestai, and that's a term that means it is paid in full. Yep. You don't have to so, pay anymore. The business transaction term. Exactly. So, uh, Kelsey and Steve, while I have you guys on here, like, uh, I don't know that we've, we've really talked a ton about, um, the Passover thing. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but I just want to get a, uh, I just want to touch on this because this is, again, this is like so huge for me right now. This question of if the Passover is the core of the gospel, if the Passover is the, the primary means, like it is the new covenant, right. In the, the eyes of the WMSCOG, this is, yeah. This is it. Like, this is the substance of the gospel. Right. Please tell me why. Isn't isn't it a big deal that in the book of Acts, the only book that we actually have recorded sermons, like sermons and and, uh, recordings of the evangelism of Mm -hmm. Paul, Peter, and the apostles, and you see the message of the gospel that they were preaching, they never mention Passover. They don't mention it once. Like, is it just me or is, is that like a really big deal? That's a big deal. (laughs) 
They yeah. said, you know, 66 books of the Bible point to center on that, but then not all 66 talk about that. It's interesting. Right. <laughs> so, okay. So, Kelsey, I don't know, like, as, again, with your member hat on, like, what, mm-hmm. like, if I w- were to have come to you and say, look, the, the apostles, you never see them preaching Passover in the book of Acts. And I asked you as a member and I said, why is that? Like, I'm getting kind of a variety of responses, but but basically when I ask that question to a member, it, it's like a complete right. dodge or a change right. of topic. Um, right. But how would you respond? I don't know if you can. Oh, they would redirect you mode. to first Corinthians. They would redirect okay. you to first Corinthians. Um, let's see. Uh, 11. That one's one. Um, they would also say first Corinthians chapter five. Verse seven, it says, get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast as you really are for Christ. Our pastor lamb has been sacrificed. Verse eight. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with, not with mm-hmm. the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, but with the bread without yeast, the bread of okay, sincerity truth. Yep. So, so I would say, I would say, but Paul did speak about the, the Passover. He says in verse eight, therefore, let us keep the festival. That's what okay. I would redirect you to. Okay, so that would be important to respond to, but this this is that that's right, and that's a common response I'm getting it is which in my mind is a dodging of the question. It is a and dodge because it, yes, yes, I'm asking about acts. Like again, we don't have recordings in the Book of Corinthians of the the full gospel message. Uh, well, we have the full gospel message in First Corinthians. Don't hear me wrong, but we don't have like a, a historical record like we have in Acts of these messages, this, the evangelistic work that the apostles were doing. And you're seeing the exact message that they were, uh, maybe not the exact that I'm sure in some places, the full message wasn't given, but the question has to be asked. Luke who wrote acts was recording these multiple sermons of Peter and Paul, even messages from James. Why would he not have felt that it was important to include parts where they may have talked about Passover because some members will say, Oh, well, we don't have everything in the book of acts. They said a lot of things that we don't have. And so, right. You know, maybe they did talk about Passover, but it, but my, my question to that would be, well, why, why did Luke not think it was important enough to include? Well, to which I would respond. Well, Luke did talk about Passover in the book of Luke. Okay. So, so again, a dodge from acts. Yeah. Luke 22. A dodge from acts. Right. So at the end of the day, what, what I'm getting from members and conversations. They can't answer that, that question about acts. They can't. Yeah. Cause it, I mean, it's not there. It's not the there. Only, There's no denying. The only way they could answer it. The conclusion they have to reach is we have to come to an agreement and just say, okay, as a WMSCOG member, you just have to acknowledge the book of acts doesn't have the gospel in it. Like the, right. you just never, you never see the apostles preaching the full gospel right. or like the core of the gospel. They just left it out. And so that that's, that's problematic. That, right. That's a big deal. It's a big uh, issue. It be the core of the gospel. If it yeah. was the core of the gospel, we call that the kerygma in theology. I don't know if that's really relevant here, but the thing is, if it was really the core of the gospel, we would see it there and it's absolutely missing. Right. Mm-hmm. And there, that's an example. I mean, we're supposed to look to act. Why did God give us acts? It's an example of, you know, how, you know, the church initially grew and what messages they did. And, um, yeah, sorely missing. Yep. Okay. Yeah, then, so, and then, and then someone put in the comments that my master Roshi says, my brother told me that they left things out of the book of Acts, just what you said, uh, Jordan. And he's a leader okay. in the WMSCOG. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just going to say, guys, that doesn't make sense. Like the book of right. Acts is like this, this 
focused record that Luke had. He wanted to show like the, the works of the apostles. Um, mm-hmm. I think in Acts chapter one, it begins, you see Jesus telling the apostles, like you are my witnesses in all right. of Judea and Jerusalem. So the book of Acts almost sets it up like, okay, what you're about to see is you're going to see the apostles walking out that commission of Jesus. Right. Jesus saying, you are my witnesses to everything I've taught you, you know, go into all the world and preach the gospel, command them to obey everything I've taught you. Now in the book, what is the book of Acts? Well, it's you seeing the apostles in history doing that, this record of them doing that. You're seeing the gospel message that they actually went out and preached and they leave out Passover. Okay. And, and you wrap this all up with Galatians one, where Paul says, if anybody comes along and preaches a gospel contrary to the one that we preach, let them be accursed. Well, how do we know what gospel Paul preached? Well, the best place to go probably is the book of Acts. That's a really great so, place to go. So Heather put go in a, Heather made a really good point. She says, I remember them using Acts 20 for Passover somehow. Okay, Acts, yeah, Acts right. chapter 20 verse six. And I, yeah. I, I haven't heard this, but I, but I can, I think I can grasp how they would make the leap because Acts chapter 20, verse six, it says, but we sailed from Philippi after the feast of unleavened bread and five days later joined the others at Troas where we stayed seven days. So the WMSCOG, they group feast of unleavened bread together with Passover. So therefore, if somebody kept feast of unleavened bread, it's automatically assumed they kept Passover. Okay. So Steve, I can what, see what, how they make that. What leap. are but your again, thoughts if, about that argument? But, but before, but really quick, before you get to Steve, I just want to point out again, if Passover was so critical for salvation, why would they use, why would this be the one verse <laughs> to, right. to so say, that, you know, it doesn't, it's it doesn't so mention the word like, Passover at all. Right. And it doesn't even mention why the Feast of Unleavened Bread is kept. So it doesn't even, and it doesn't even, it doesn't even specify that they kept it. It just right. simply giving giving the time frame when they sailed uh, after the yeah uh, after that feast yeah boarded the ship at Philippi. It's like if I said, yeah. "Hey, uh, around Christmas time, you know, I, or around, I Ramadan, around Ramadan, right. around yeah, right. it's just like yeah. a marker. Nobody said anything about it, and right. yeah, yeah, and then it's a non-argument. Then, it doesn't even. It doesn't I mean, all of them are non-argument. Just like we don't find you know sixty-six books of the Bible, they try to. A handful of verses to say mother is there, which is kind of insane. I mean, you see, like Jesus mentioned constantly throughout the New Testament. Where is he in so many of the, the mother in so many of the books? Where's Passover in so many of the books? Just not there. It's not there. Okay. So before we move on to that, let's just, just because we, we brought it up, um, I'd be interested just to hear, let's just give a quick response to this too, because this is, this is pretty common. First yeah. Corinthians five eight. Well, they'll point to this and say um, where Paul says, "Therefore, uh, actually, let me back up. Let me start in verse seven, seven, or maybe before, but yeah, at least seven. Okay, so he says, "Get rid of the old yeast, so that you may be a new unleavened batch, as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed." And in verse eight, therefore, let us keep the festival not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth okay yeah. steve what what are your thoughts on that on them yeah, using uh, that as evidence for passover it, it's not it's not what paul is saying here is like you know the jews would have this yearly ritual 
and they used to look in different parts of the house and they have to go look inside the cupboards and look in the cracks of the floor and everything. And they're looking for something. And then when everything was all swept out and there was no sign of anything unleavened, they could say everything's coast is clear. Everything's clean. And he's basically saying, make that application our lives. He's not saying that we have to keep Passover. He's just using that as an illustration in Jewish culture and time, yes. you know, that we're supposed to apply to our lives by, you know, keeping our lives clean. Exactly. I, th- and I think it's, that's the context, too. I mean, then he goes right yeah. into talking about the sexually immoral. I mean, that goes right along with the context. Right. right. So, yes, that the context is that this is um, uh, how did you word it, Steve? A, a symbolism or, or a, uh, an illustration. It's an illustration. Yeah. For us. So so and you see that proven right in the verse where he says, uh, let us celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So he's showing us here. He's not speaking about a literal bread here. He's speaking spiritually or symbolically saying right. the leaven, the leaven he's, he's talking about here is, is sin. He's not saying literally go and clean the leaven out of your house. Uh, he, he knows the Jews will get that illustration uh, he knows the people he's speaking to will understand the illustration, but he's not saying, you know, we have to it's eat literal unleavened bread to, to take Passover. Right. So he, he again and then like Kelsey, like you mentioned, which is a great point, he goes on to talk about, you know, sexual immorality. So obviously he's oh. using the idea of Passover to illustrate this idea of Clint, or, or, or moving away from sin, ridding sin from your life. Uh, through the grace of God, turning from sin and, and turning to the unleavened bread, like living in an unleavened bread sort of way in sincerity and truth. And so the fact that he's using these obvious illustrations right within this this verse, I think makes it a really uh, weak argument to to use to support the WMSCOG's views of Passover. It just it doesn't it just doesn't hold much water. It doesn't it doesn't say what you need it to say in order to to make your uh, such a, your your core uh, Passover being the core of the gospel type of statements, um, he's relating to them. He's 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 giving his explanation in a way that relates to them that they can understand. I mean, exactly. when you remember the WMS and you're going preaching, you know, you don't preach the same subject the same way to like five different people, right? Someone might be a if somebody's a Seventh Day Adventist versus you know a Catholic, right? You're not going to preach Daniel prophecy the same way that you preach to the Seventh-day Adventist where Catholic church is antichrist, Catholic church is, you know, evil. You're not going to say it that way, that directly to someone who's Catholic in order to win them over. You're going to explain it in terms that they understand. And that's what Paul is doing here. I know, I know you want to go on to the idea of their persecution. Why do we supposedly persecute them? But I'll just say it's a sermon illustration. Um, you know, like Kelsey said, the uh, Passover was a memorial ritual in, in the Old Testament for the Jewish people, not for the church. Under the Old Covenant, not under the New Covenant, is a uh, memorial of what God did, Yahweh did back to his covenant people in Israel when he set them free from Pharaoh and the plagues and, you know, the Exodus and everything. And, um, you know, the church... What we look for in the New Testament, or our memorial ritual would be um, the Lord's Supper, where we're looking to the uh, work of Christ on his cross. This is my blood. This is my body broken for you. And we're not still looking to the Old Testament 
ritual of the Exodus from Israel anymore. Um, they had like circumcision was a, a kind of ritual, of the Old Testament. It's kind of like baptism in the New Testament. And, you know, it's just like the Lord's Supper is kind of like Passover, but we're, we're under a new covenant and we're not under that anymore the way they're trying to impose, get us back under the law. And, right. and if, if, again, if Passover was so critical for our salvation and it was the only way to enter the kingdom of heaven, then Paul did a real disservice in, in you know, oh, Corinthians yeah. and, and by not oh, yeah. saying so. He did oh, yeah. not. I mean, he could. Why didn't he say here? Let us keep the fast festival for our salvation. Let us keep the festival yeah. for eternal life. Let us keep the festival right. to enter the kingdom of heaven. He doesn't yeah. say that. Yes. And so, so yeah. if you want to. Yeah. We have yeah. 300 saying salvation is by faith. Mm-hmm. Right. But we don't have anything, you know, it's not like that. <laughs> right. It's right. examples of people keeping it, but no commandments to do it for salvation. And, and this is another important example to check the context of the voice mm-hmm. or the, the verses that we are being pointed to by the WMS. We can't just read two verses. We have to read the, the you know, the verses before and after. We have to read the, you know, not only just the, the chapter in which it's written. Sometimes we have to read the whole book to understand exactly. the main purpose right. of, of what's being said here. Yep. And so it's, it's worth saying that, you know, Kelsey, what you just said, that Paul did a terrible job of, of proclaiming the gospel pretty much. If, if under inspiration, is mm-hmm. and so, under inspiration. And so, like, I think you guys have to like, you know, there's so much vehemence and anger at Christianity and Catholics and people uh, that don't agree with your doctrine. But at the end of the day, like if 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 our belief in salvation by faith alone as a free gift, if that's false, and, and Paul actually believed that Passover was a requirement for, for salvation. Well, I'll just say it's Paul's fault. You know, it's the fault of the New Testament God writers fault. if we got that wrong. God, God breathed words. It's the Lord's fault. Right. Not- yeah. And so like, like the, the, yeah, the, if Passover is what you guys say it is, then it's just, you have, there, I feel like there has to be an admittance that the New Testament did a terrible job, a weak job, uh, of of telling us that of just right. making that clear, uh, but like Steve said, what the the New Testament does make clear is that salvation is by faith. Uh, it's repeated. I mean, if you had over a feast only, would you be lost if, yes. forever? If you right. had, you would, you would gone, be. Would right. you be lost Great point. You know, right. great point. You know, if, if you you're in prison, what if you're in a prison? You know, where you can't take the Passover or that desert island? There's nowhere else there. You know, I mean, the normal gospel, well, Steve make it well steve let's make it real like what about those in places like china under persecution who literally only have like certain pages of the scriptures they might only have like ephesians um they don't have the full gospel what exactly my thought yep for for china i mean china they they do house churches from what i understand no there's an underground church as well though right Yeah. And so well, what I'm I mean, for the, I'm talking them, about the WMS. The WMS is house churches in China. It's not okay. I'm, I'm talking about like Christian churches that like they only have access to like certain books of the Bible. Like they don't right. have the full Bible. There's prison and camps. So, like, there's prison camps where pastors are tortured in prison camps. Right. There, those are the people we're we're saying for this illustration. You know what? what so, like so, like you said, Steve. Like if you just had Ephesians, if you just had Romans. Would you be able to take that and understand what the gospel is? Um, if the WMSCOG's message were true, then no, you, you couldn't. And, and that's a problem. Uh, it's a big problem. Do you want to so, 
that question about the uh, persecution of the groups? Well, well, let's get into that because yes, I am. You know, we've gotten a lot of comments recently, like I said earlier, from people bringing kind of that that accusation of why are we why are we picking on this group? Like, what? Just leave us alone. You know, leave God alone. Uh, and, and then obviously the condemning ones, like we're gonna, you know, burn in hell and see you at judgment day, things like that. But, but kind of, yeah, talk a little bit guys about that, that those sort of comments that we're getting, you know, that why, why are we picking on this group? Um, picking on like that. Responding to picking on. So the reason are we, we're yeah. Like, are we not allowed to have an opinion on their doctrine? That's, that's my question. Like, I mean, yeah. they have opinions on, on, what we believe, right? That we are, you know, they, they call anybody who's not, you know, part of them as, as baby prostitutes in, in, in revelation prophecy, are we not allowed to have an opinion? Cause they have an opinion on us. So that'd it's be a my double response. standard. It's a total, it's a, it's a double standard. It's manipulation. It's not uncommon to different groups to do this. The Mormons do this all the time. And they mm-hmm. say, why are you persecuting us? Well, Joseph Smith, had his vision in the sacred grove. And he said that all the churches were wrong. All the professors were corrupt. All the beliefs are an abomination. So with one stroke of the pen, you know, every believer, every church, every belief is wrong. And then we respond to it. And then automatically we're like the bad guy, but they can say whatever the heck they want. Jehovah's witnesses are amazing for this too. Right. They also talk about Christendom and our freakish looking three headed gods and all this kind of stuff. The minute we say anything whatsoever, you know, we're the bad guy. Well, this group, I think Kelsey has a nice quote ready. I'll give you an illustration of this. This group, again, came out of the Seventh-day Adventists. The Seventh-day Adventists uh, have the idea that, you know, the papacy is the Antichrist, basically the Catholic Church is the whore of Babylon, the Protestants are the daughter harlots. They took all this Babylonian ideas. It's not original thinking. It all came from the Seventh-day Adventists. And they basically say that, you know, all these terrible things about us. And the minute we try to lift a finger to try to reply, you know, we're the bad guys. Well, we're here tonight not to persecute people. We're here out of love because we're worried about the false prophets and deception Mm -hmm. that's out there. And this group is trying to steal people away from, you know, people who don't really know their Bible well, who go to church. And they'll come in and confuse them with these really terrible arguments where they're not getting people to understand the whole context of what they're reading. They'll take isolated cherry picked verses along a certain path in the sermon preaching books to try to get you to believe a certain thing with these horrible imposed transitions. And uh, they're all, they're all just bogus arguments. So we're basically, we don't want to see this group grow and mislead more and more people uh, deceptively. Uh, There's a mountain of evidence that this is uh, a group not speaking for God. They predicted the end of the world several times. Hasn't happened. They've taken things out of their books They've changed their books uh, and things. They ignore the works of Ansung Hong. They've contradicted Ansung Hong like crazy. I mean, the list is there's a mountain of evidence for someone wanting to know the truth to see if this church is true or not. And you can see it very quickly. You can see it quickly from the Bible. You can see it from their own statements. Um, it doesn't take too much. And all we are doing is replying and saying, listen, this is a false gospel. We want to po- keep point you to the purity of Christ. We're commanded to do this. We're commanded to contend for the faith. So if you're wondering why we're doing this, you know, Jude talks about contending for the faith delivered once to the saints. 
You know, Paul, Paul says he's in Philippians, I'm set for the defense of the gospel. Second Corinthians talks about tearing down strongholds and things that oppose God. And of course, mm-hmm. 1 Peter 3.15, where we get the word apologetics, to give to every man an answer for the hope which lies within us. You know, we are commanded by God to do this. If we are not resisting false prophets and exposing them, then we're not doing our duty before God. So don't try to give us this stuff, you know, where we're, you know, like, you know, persecuting the poor, innocent church. Kelsey, why don't you read the quote uh, that we talked about earlier and how they're attacking us? And let's see how uh, how pure these guys are. Well, I mean, like, I mean, there's there's so many examples, even if you just go through my sheepless and my voice alone, you'll find so many examples. But mm-hmm. I mean, in regards to this, I mean, this is from Sermon Book 2, page 63. Um, it says, real, quick, what is, mm-hmm. real quick, sorry, Kelsey, real quick. I just want to say that what what Kelsey is doing, again, for those of you, it looks like some new people have jumped in. I just want to say what we're talking about here is we're responding to questions that we're getting on comments from WMSCOG members who are asking us basically like, why, why are we picking on this group? Why are we, why are we just attacking this group so much? And, and why don't you just leave us alone? That kind of thing. And so Kelsey's about to read a quote from the WMSCOG. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but basically sure. we're, we're trying to show you the, um, I, I guess just the, the hypocrisy in, in the, the responses like that that we're getting it kind of reminds me of like a yeah. kids who are like a kid who's going up and smacking somebody on the back of the head over and over and over and over again and then the other kid finally turns around and like starts putting his hands up and and tries to defend himself and the person's like why are you hitting me like what why why did you start hitting me it's like are you are you serious Great. right now like like it's just it's it's ridiculous so anyway sorry i cut you off kelsey but i just wanted to know. just for people jumping in just to kind of set up what exactly we're talking about so no, yeah, definitely. Um, so, and, and and also speaking from my point of view, um, I only know the WMS COG, right? I can, you know, I, I can't speak for a Jehovah Witness. I can't speak for a, a Scientologist. I don't agree with their organization or the methodologies or the practices that they do in regards to people who leave. But you know, I can I can only speak for the WMSC or I can only speak on my experience with the WMSCOG because that's my experience. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, and and my purpose is not to, um, how do I say, like you know, just just trash, trash, trash. My yeah, purpose is right. to, you know, the, I I have personally seen again my experience. I have personally seen the negative effects that this group has on families. I have personally seen like you know specific members be told like you can't you know talk to your parents like for a year because they're persecuting the church i have personally seen you know members you know just cut off all ties with families i've seen them miss family events i myself have missed big family events you know so i want to do you know for a long time i i i did a lot of recruiting for the church and now you know and I, and I can't take back what I did, but this in some little aspect, if, if I can help even one person, you know, mm-hmm. it, it makes all of this, this worth it. 
Um, I mean, cause there's, there's tons of other stuff I'd rather be doing on a Sunday night, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> right. yeah, there's, but so just, I just wanted to put that out there, but yeah. So in back circling back to, you know, um, why do we, you know, what, why do we slander only the WMS COG, right? Well, the WMS COG has a lot to say about other churches, namely, you know, the Catholic church. Cause I, I think what we say about the WMS COG is like, nothing compared to what they you know say about other churches so in the sermon book chapter 2 page 63 they say what is the identity of the catholic church the great babylon and the protestant churches the small babylons spiritually speaking they're all prostitutes that belong to satan so they wow. call all other churches prostitutes that belong to satan yet our speech showing how you know the we need to read the context of the verses how you know they they take things out of context you know that's nothing compared we're not calling them you know a prostitute belonging to satan so mm -hmm. i think that i think that's the the strongest quote but they've also said catholic church is a home for devil and demons they say um nowadays this is this is from my sheep listen my voice page 203 i think it's the korean english version it says nowadays so many christians forsake the sabbath which is the memorial of the holy creator and instead instead they keep sunday the worship day of the sun god therefore they are the lawless ones who violated god's will so i mean you know it's just they, they're gonna say what they're gonna say but i mean um you know when it really comes down to who's really speaking nastier you know i think we're pretty pretty okay because and another thing is, they, like, you know, we were just talking, um, we, we have a video coming out. We just finished recording chapter two of the Staff of Moses, which is their countermeasures book against us, where they try to answer, you know, Christian arguments. In that book, we just finished talking how they basically, you know, misquote us and say that, you know, it's the church in Revelation twenty two seventeen that is giving forth the waters of life. You can watch that episode coming out. But the point is, they do this a lot. They try to say things like Christians worship the cross. You know, I mean, Kelsey, Jordan, you guys worship the cross? Do you no. know any Christians who worship the cross? No. Are, are we not told constantly by these guys that we worship the cross, right? Right. Yeah. And we worship the sun god. Do you, right. does anybody here worship the sun god? <laughs> no. So they kind of put this whole thinking in people's minds. These lies are just flat out lies. That's like me creating, you know, false witness about these guys saying they do such and such. Right. Well, they do it this constantly and it's just not true at all. Not true at all. So, you know, anyone who's it's, a member, if you want to know what we really believe, come ask us. We don't worship sun gods. We worship Jesus. Right. If you want to think we worship crosses wrong again, none of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, there's and, so and, many. And, and, there's. In reverse, too. In reverse, too. If we say something that does not accurately represent the WMS COG, yes, let us please. know in the comments. Right. And we, we can, want, we can no. talk it out. Yeah. Yeah. That's why That's why I enjoy talking. You know, I'm, I try to get uh, people to talk to me, current members in the, in the comments. You know, I'll try to move our, our conversations that are going on in the YouTube comments to a phone conversation because I want to get to know people. I want to get to hear you as a as a person, you know, a real life person. I want you to be able to see that I'm a real life person. I'm not just this talking head trashing your church. That's not my goal. Um, I'm an actual human being who has thoughts and beliefs and concerns. And I know you do, too. <laughs> but I think um, as I'm having some of these conversations, I have learned more and more just how many uh, 
misconceptions so many members have about Christians, about things like Easter and like, you know, even this idea that that all Christians believe that Sabbath day that was changed to Sunday and that Sunday is like the new Sabbath. Like that's, I don't know anybody that teaches that. Um, I'm sure there are uh, some, but I certainly don't believe that Sunday was like changed to Sabbath. Uh, mm. Sabbath is the seventh day. That That's the way it was from creation. And I believe we should keep the Sabbath. We should keep the fourth commandment. But I believe that there's a way to do that that looks uh, much different than, than what you guys say. But all that to say, yes, I think there's a lot of misconceptions around what people like myself um, believe. I'm going to interject real quick, Jordan. Not all Christians believe you have to keep the Sabbath. Um, in the New Testament, uh, nine of the Ten Commandments are quoted from the Old Testament. One of them is not quoted, and that's the Sabbath. We're not under a commandment to keep it in the New Testament, New Covenant. Um, you know, and, and, the, and what it comes down to, uh, it says in uh, Romans, it says, one man esteems one day above another, one man esteems every day alike. Now, you might have a conviction to keep it. Hey, best between you and the Lord, God bless you. Me, I'm the guy who keeps every day alike. God bless me. So just so anyone listening is a little clear on this, you know, not all Christians would say that, you know, we're to keep the Sabbath. There's a difference on that. And I kind of explain where that comes from in Romans 14. There's, you know, there's freedom in Christ to do it, you know, according yeah. to your conviction, the way God yeah. puts it in your heart. And let me clarify when I say, like, I believe we, we have to keep the fourth command. We have to keep Sabbath. I I don't, I don't mean that I feel like it's, it's a Christian requirement to observe a Saturday Sabbath. What I mean is, is first, I think this, this is a big deal. Like what is the Sabbath? This is something I'm at, I'm actually about with a, with a friend, Nasser, um, a former Muslim. I, I just did a video with him, letting him share and uh, his testimony of how he came out of Islam to Christianity. But we're going to do a whole video just talking about the Sabbath and what it is. And this is another thing that I begin to, to realize more and more as I'm talking to members about Sabbath. And, and they, they seem to have such a zeal for Sabbath and such condemnation for those who don't keep the Sabbath. But I look at what the WMSCOG does on the Sabbath, what they teach on the Sabbath, what the requirements for members are on the Sabbath. And I have to say, look, you guys aren't keeping the Sabbath. The Sabbath, the fourth commandment was a command to rest. Ultimately, it's a command to rest. And so, so all that to say, when I say, I still believe we have to keep the fourth commandment. I'm saying that, like, I believe as a Christian, there's a command, if you want to put it that way for me to rest, like I'm, I'm supposed to be a person who is restful in God. But what that means, that all just comes back to the gospel. Like that points us to what the gospel is. Um, Sabbath is actually a, it's not this burdensome, heavy load put on us as this heavy requirement. Sabbath is a gift of God. It's a gift from, mm -hmm. from God to man saying, look, I want you to remember constantly to be reminded throughout the week that, that your, your security, your provision, your well-being, your identity doesn't come from your own ability to provide for yourself. It comes from me. And so we, we Sabbath, seventh day Sabbath was meant to be a reminder where people were supposed to not do any work to rest and, and realize that their provision, uh, their uh, productivity comes from God, not from their own efforts and abilities. It, Sabbath is a, is a beautiful, I think, illustration or example, picture, uh, shadow of the gospel. 
And so I believe as a Christian, I still have a command, which again, if you want to call it a command, God tells me rest in him. I have to continually day by day, like Steve, I, I observe every day alike. Uh, me and my family kind of try to do more of a restful non-work day on Saturday, um, most weeks. Um, but I think every day we are commanded to rest in God, to remind ourselves that like, it's like Jesus said, um, you know, talking, talking about, uh, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. Well, what was that? That's the Sabbath. Jesus was pushing people in that to obedience of a Sabbath rest, like a, a condition of heart and mind daily, moment by moment, where you are trusting, resting in God and not relying on yourself. This is the gospel. And that's, I think that's the point of the Sabbath that I just see is entirely missed in the WMSCOG. Mm-hmm. So they have such an emphasis on the Sabbath, but, but from every, every indication I get from what they think about the Sabbath, what they require on the Sabbath, they're entirely missing it. Further than that, I think they're disobeying it. Um, because, you know, as we talked about in the last video, Kelsey, you laid out all the requirements for Sabbath that you have right. as a member. They're, 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 they're requiring their requirements that they're putting on members is forcing members to disobey the very core of what Sabbath is all about. Well, Mike Christ. Winger, Mike Winger kind of puts it really interesting in his video where he says they pick a day like Sabbath. They say, OK, keeping the Sabbath means going to church, you know, uh, all this, the different feasts are going to church. You know, it's not doing the things, building little booths and all the kind of stuff like in the Old Testament time. It's uh, going to church and keeping the Sabbath, you know, <laughs> try to get that out of Exodus 20, right? Yeah, showing up at church. There's your Sabbath. Right. On, Where's that? Totally, <laughs> yes, exactly. Totally, exactly. Totally created thing. And you I'm constantly that- getting comments like people saying, where in the Bible does it say to, to keep Sabbath on Sunday? Where in the Bible does it say to not, to not keep Sabbath on Saturday? Things like that. And, and my reply would be exactly what you just said. Where in the Bible does it say go to church and be in your church all day hours. on Sunday? Yeah. yeah. Where does it say to wear a suit to church on Sundays? Right. And where does it the say to give right. tithes on, on right. Sabbath? Right. I keep saying Sunday. I'm at, I'm at Sabbath Saturday. Yeah. Sunday. <laughs> but, but where, where does the Bible say to do go and right. listen to Kelsey's description of what her Sabbath days look like? Where does the Bible say to do that? Right. On, on Sabbath. It doesn't. Well, it, the, in, in the WMS, they say, they say the reason why it's like all day is because it's not called Sabbath hour. It's called Sabbath day. Right, but it's not like you're going to make please God by showing up in the building. You know, that's not what it means. It's, right. it's just not a concept. It's just completely made up stuff. Everything right. in this group is made up. Right, right. Okay, so there's a couple questions here. Um, so uh, the word made flesh said, so what do you guys think of Isaiah 56, Isaiah 66, and, and Ezekiel, Ezekiel 46? Um, could you clarify or maybe specify a little bit more uh, focused on what exactly about those well, uh, you're curious about? I, I, well, I looked, you know, Kelsey, I looked up one of them. I looked up one of them. So the, the word made flesh, if you could pinpoint the exact verse in Isaiah 66, but in Isaiah 56 in verse 2, actually from verse 1, it says, 
this is what the Lord says, maintain justice and do what is right. For my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Verse two, blessed is the man who does this, the man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it and keeps his hand from doing any evil. So I, I think that's the verse that's being uh, okay. referenced. Um, blessed is the man. Okay, let me pull this up. But again, I think it falls under the fact that, I mean, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it falls under the fact, oh, there's more. Um, th- I think it falls under the fact that this is, oh, there's actually a lot more. Hang on. That's that's, that's the right. line. That's the one I had underlined from the WMS. <laughs> right here. I didn't see the other. Oh, okay. I saw. Okay. So yeah, verse six, it says, and foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him to name to the love the name of the lord and to worship him all who keep the sabbath without desecrating it who fold, hold fast to my covenant these i will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in the house of prayer burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations but again this is you know the the law of moses right this is the mm-hmm. old covenant law so when jesus came we are free from this law yep That'd be, that'd be the first point. The second point I want to say is before we even enter into this conversation with a member who might pull that right. verse up, which they would, right. they would use that verse and say, okay, well, well, this verse says blessed is the man who keeps uh-huh. the Sabbath. I'd say, okay, well, first let's define Sabbath. Let's, let's, Good point. let's yeah. get a biblical definition of Sabbath because right. when you're using this verse as a member, you're saying, oh, blessed is the man who goes to Zion for 14 hours a day, who keeps right. his ties, who, who makes sure he wears his, his suit who, who, um, you know, who does all these things, who, who doesn't step outside the building to, you know, have a, yeah. have a, get a breath of fresh air. That's not the Sabbath. And so, yes, this is, this is emphasizing the Sabbath. This is telling us biblically that there's a, uh, a high view of the Sabbath, but we first have to define what is the Sabbath? What is he even talking about mm-hmm. here in, in this passage when he says, blessed is the man who keeps the Sabbath. And <laughs> to answer that, we just simply have to look at, first Genesis where the Sabbath uh, we first see the Sabbath show up and it's well, it's, it's about rest, God resting the fourth commandment. Again, the fourth commandment is a commandment to rest from labor. This is again, this has such spiritual significance for us as believers who are commanded, I think still to rest in Jesus. We're, we're, the, the point of the gospel is that we would rest in God, that we would right. cease, that we would cease from our own efforts that we would sit down and relax in what God has done for us. That is the gospel. And so if you tie that then to why, why, you know, Isaiah and and these other prophets would put such an emphasis on it, I think it's pretty clear because anytime the the nation of Israel would begin to move away from keeping the Sabbath, i.e. when they be, they would stop resting in God. Well, what happens? You start sinning. Sin starts to explode because sin, sin is overcome. Victory over sin comes from a place of resting in God. When you rest in God, right. he changes your heart. And so when Israel would move away from Sabbath, they would move away from that, that, that faith relationship with God. And so then sin would begin to infiltrate the nation. And so yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it, this all comes down to what do you what do you mean when you talk about the Sabbath? What is right. the Sabbath? Yeah, and also and also uh, the word made flesh is saying isn't Isaiah fifty six talking about a future context? 
Was that a question we got in here? Yeah. Well, yeah. So, yeah, the word made flesh, it says, isn't that future context? Isaiah 56. At the end of Isaiah 66, they yeah. more like the millennium will still be keeping the Sabbath. That comes from right. the seven days, that argument. What would you say to that, Steve? You know what? There's certain things. Nobody's studied everything, and that's one thing. Well, well let's let's talk on that. Let's talk on that next Q and A. I'll yeah. have, love yeah. that. No one's I, I have eight million cults to study and eight million sets of arguments. We do have yeah. answers to it. I just haven't gotten to that one. Yeah, and I would I would just say, um, like uh, Colossians says, the the Sabbaths were shadows of things to come. And so again, like yeah. I I don't have any problem with that verse. Like I've read the verses like that for years, and and I don't. I, I emphasize them. I think about them because it, those verses just remind me that I do still need to keep the Sabbath in the right. sense of I do need to continually rest in Christ. You know, it's Hebrews uh, chapter one through four. He says today, you know, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. And there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Um, so and and also and also I think you you nailed it on the head too when you're saying you know what what does it mean by Sabbath right no matter I mean because I too I don't know the timeline in which Isaiah fifty six is talking about but regardless of the timeline again what does it mean that we need to keep the Sabbath right especially you know if if that verse is talking about a future time time frame like say for example our time what does that mean in our time to keep the Sabbath exactly what does right? that look like. Um, right. Because, you know, you would have verses that that might have a future context that say, you know, don't don't commit adultery right. or, or, or things like that, that might have a future application. But Jesus came and he he like didn't add to the Ten Commandments, but he 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 showed the true meaning and purpose of them. And so he took the commandment of don't commit adultery, which in that right. day was sort of interpreted as, OK, if I simply like don't physically engage in the act of adultery, I'm keeping the commandment. And Jesus right. said, no, like it, it's so much more than that. And I think it's the same thing about the fourth commandment. You know, I think right. he, he, he could have said, like, you've heard it said, uh, don't do any work on the Sabbath and, and, and keep all the Pharisees regulations and then you'll be good to go. And he'd say, but no, it's, it's more than that. Like it, it's about resting continually in God. Like the Sabbath is just a shadow pointing us to this reality that right. is Christ himself, who is our rest, not just on one day. Like, do you think God just wants us to rest in him on Saturday? Then the rest of the week, we just go about our lives and live independently right. from him. Of course not. Uh, Sabbath right. is, is, is the fourth commandment, I think, was just uh, in a sense, this shadow, which has such a more deep and fuller fulfilled reality that is through faith uh, in Christ. And and also another verse that I that I really want to point out too that or actually that uh, the word made flesh pointed out was Ezekiel forty six and I don't know if this is the verse that they were referring to but they say and I Isaiah forty six verse one it says this is what the sovereign Lord says the gate of the inner court facing east is to be shut on the six working days but on the Sabbath day and on the day of the new moon it is to be opened the prince is to enter from the outside through the portico of the gateway and stand by his gatepost the priests are to sacrifice his burnt offerings and fellowship offerings he is to worship of the threshold of the gateway and then go out but the gate will not be shut until evening on the sabbath and the new moon the people of the land 
are to worship in the presence of the Lord at the entrance to the gateway. So I would, so I, I don't know if this is a, I mean, I haven't seen this verse used or justified by the, the WMS as to why we need to keep the Sabbath. But one response I wanted to say is if verse three is saying we need to keep the Sabbath, then it also says we need to keep the new moons and the WMS does not keep the new moons. There you go. So I want to just point that out. Yeah. There you go. So really I I would just kind of summarize all this by just saying, if if you're going to make accusations against Christians about their lack of keeping the Sabbath, you have to, and, and and saying where in the Bible, you know, using terminology like that, like where in the Bible does it say Sabbath was changed to Sunday or where in the Bible does it say to do what you're doing? Well, you just have to, I think you need to be honest and ask yourself, where in the Bible does it say to do right. what the WMSCOG requires of you on Sabbath? Um, and ask yourself, look, biblically, what is the Sabbath? What is it about? What was the fourth commandment? It was a mm-hmm. commandment to rest. And what does it entail? Yeah. Yeah. What does that entail? What does that mean for you? What does that mean for us today? Um, mm-hmm. So, um, okay. So with, with that, I think maybe... The, the last thing I'd, I'd want to just um, touch on real quick would be kind of connected to that would be the, the thing about Easter because um, Easter is pretty closely connected to that. Um, and so I don't know. I, th- I think we should probably try to wrap this up soon. Um, but I did kind of want to get your guys' thoughts. You know, we mentioned before we started about the new songbook. Um, and the, the hymns used in there. So I don't, do you guys have any thoughts about, you know, when members come and talk about how Easter is a, a pagan holiday, which I think there's historical, you know, problems with that and, and, and differing views on that. I don't think it's as clear that that's the case as they make it out to be, but, but let's just give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say Easter has pagan roots and Christians simply, began to um, adopt that day to, uh, you know, celebrate the resurrection, things like that. How does the new song hymnal, what does that have to do with any of this? Like, how, how is that related to this? And how does that, the new song hymnal of the WMSCOG present um, a problem for them in that whole discussion? Well, I mean, I I don't know enough about the history of of Easter to speak too much on that, but just the logic of the conversation of the concerning the video that you put out in regards to the new songs, like people criticize you for saying keeping Easter, um, saying it's kind of Easter and Christmas, saying it's kind of like putting um, Jesus's name on something that's pagan. I mean, in the Mm -hmm. the new song book, they literally replace the name jesus for the the appendix section which is like all like the old time like hymns like amazing grace how great thou art they literally replaced jesus's name in a lot of cases with the name unsung hong so like the be- the biggest example that i can think of off the top of my head is the new song i think it's what is it 401 new song 401 that's the song how great thou art that was created back looks like in the 1800s and they changed the name to god unsung hong when I an awesome wonder, I mean, like that's literally taking because I because let me tell you, I was baptized in two thousand seven. Okay, when I was baptized in two thousand seven, at least in the U.S., we were not singing old time hymns. We were only singing new songs. Really? 
And we were told not to sing old time hymns because they were created by by people who were um, in false churches who are Babylon. in Babylon, right? And that's the same reason. That's the same justification for why they say we can't listen to Christian music now, because, or I mean, you know, is because again it was created by people who are in Babylon, people who don't know the truth. But then, I mean, this book, I don't know when this book came out. I want to say it was around 2012 or so. Um, that's when they added, you know, these these hymns, at least in the, again, I think in Korea, they were probably singing the hymns. But at least in the U.S., they added these hymns and then they just replaced the name Jesus with An Sang Hong. And suddenly we were allowed to sing them. But like one of the biggest songs that we're, I mean, everybody knows this song is um, New Song 419. There's a fountain filled with blood. Like this song, we are supposed mm -hmm. to, I mean, from the time I was baptized until a time I left, every single baptism was sung, they sung this song. Mm -hmm. There is a fountain with blood. We never made it through the whole song. It was like probably just the first line we made it through. But this song is written by a Calvinist who by WMSCOG standards is in, is, you know, a false church, false mm -hmm. prophet, right? But they they sing the song for every single baptism, and right. so um, I mean it's just it, it's 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 a whole lot of hypocrisy. I mean right. they're they didn't write these songs. They they do they do cite the sources of the songs like the who. Well, I mean the, the there's a fountain filled with blood. They labeled as a traditional American melody. Um, but <laughs> they should have was, termed it like a, a pagan idol worshiping false came, church. Yeah, they're not going to say that. Uh, right. But I mean, they also do like Amazing Grace. That one's a that one's a real treat too. That one's new song mm -hmm. four thirteen. Another one they also say is a traditional American melody. And so uh, the, the Amazing Grace is they uh, say Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, God on song home save me. And then the the second line is "Twas grace that brought my heart to fear, and grace my grace my fears relived as I believe God on Sung Hong I've gained everlasting joy." I mean, it's like it's it doesn't even the, rhyme. No, no sir, <laughs> none of the new songs rhyme. <laughs> The news. Oh my gosh. You have to convince yeah. yourself. Those new songs are great when you're in the church, but like, <laughs> um, but I mean, that's literally the same logic. They accuse you of taking something that they deem as pagan, um, mm -hmm. or, you know, because as pagan or, uh, Babylonian, right? right. From a false church and just saying, Hey, you're slapping the name Jesus on this and it doesn't and, make and it all right. It. But then, when it they're comes to the new that. songs, they take something that came from what, what they doing. consider Babylon churches. And 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 these are like, even at that time, if, if the WMSCOG existed in the 1800s, or I mean, no, 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 let me take that back. They say the Seventh-day Adventist church was like the truth at its time, right? Because the WMS hadn't been yet been created. So even what they consider the truth at the time in the 1800s, these songs came from not the Seventh-day Adventist Church. They came from, at that time, what would have been called and still is called by the WMS as Babylon churches. So why is right. it okay for them to take that and slap the name An Sang Hong on it and say, oh, it's okay, right? It's the same it's, logic, it's, and it doesn't, yeah. it's, 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 hey, lo that logic's two-sided. <laughs> yes, So exactly. It, it, yeah. It's amazing to me. The yeah. hypocrisy of the WMSCOG in yeah. this matter it truly is that that the accusation against Christians is okay. You're taking this pagan thing, yeah. slapping the name Jesus on it, and then using that pagan thing to worship your God, and yeah. then you have them taking 
Which we use in worship. Which you use in worship. (laughs) You're taking these pagan, like false church, Babylonian, uh, uh, Satan, Satan deceived people's hymns, slapping the name of Ong Song Hong and mother on them. And then you're using them as your worship uh, music. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. I think, I think that's probably all we need to say about it. Make it make sense. (laughs) Please just stop and think about that for a moment. Um, So, okay. I think we're, we're a little over the hour and a half mark. Probably, um, probably said what we need to say here. I'm going to scan through. I don't know if there's any questions we missed. We'll try to get to those um, real quick before we wrap this up. Um, But we do want to just mention again that we just, we're going through this book right now. Uh, We've finished recording um, chapter one and chapter two. We're we're trying to devote a full video. Sometimes they might get to, the chapters might be divided into a couple of videos, depending on how long we go. But we're walking chapter by chapter through this book, The Staff of Moses, which is their uh, countermeasures book. And and so we have the series coming out. The first video will come out um, this week sometime, I think maybe Wednesday, maybe earlier than that. And then we're going to start trying to release one uh, every week for probably the next month or so, hopefully. So you can be looking for that. Um, Really excited for what's in there. any, did you guys see any questions or anything that we missed that we needed to? I saw, address? I saw one. Um, I'm trying to find it now. It was about like, um, technically shouldn't the Sabbath start on Friday evening? Yes, um, right. I mean, that's what the, yeah. So that's what, that. yeah. The WMS is an explanation for that one, but yeah. Explain, what was that, Steve? No, the Jews will keep it at sundown. It's just from sundown to sundown like that. Okay. And then these guys obviously keep it sunset to sunset. Yeah. And they have okay. justifications for that. I, I would have to uh, go through my notes to find those justifications, but they're, they're very, I, I mean, it's, it's grasping at straws. Their, their explanation. It's very hard to internalize. That's when you know, something's up. So. All right. All right. Well, uh, we just, I want to end just by saying to members, especially that we, we do not do this. I can't, I'm going to keep saying this as long as we do. We're not doing this to attack you guys. We're not doing this to make you look stupid. We're not doing this to just bash and belittle. We truly aren't. We're, we're doing this because we truly, we're, we're at a distance from what you are in. And we're seeing that you're, you're locked inside a lie um, there, this group is not what it says it is. And just with a little bit of, of critical thinking and researching the, the, the doctrines of this group, um, just crumble, uh, so many things that we've talked about this, I, I'm not trying to like brag on, on us, but I just feel like this one video, I feel like the things that we pointed out should be cause for you to really, look back at the WMSCOG and see like, man, this is, this is not right. There's some big issues here. And so we are doing this because we love you uh, because we care about you because people like Kelsey have wasted. Uh, well, I don't want to use that word wasted. Cause I think in God, I'll use it. It wasted. Things. I wasted. But, <laughs> yes, for what, but in a, for what was meant for evil. The Lord will use it for good. Right. Yes, right, right, right. Which, which he is right now. Uh, he's using that for good and, and Kelsey being here and helping us do this. And so I, that's why I say I don't want to use the word wasted. But yes, there, there is a sense in which 
there is a waste of life. There is separation and division happening in families that we're, we're hearing testimonies of. Um, this group is not what you think it is. Um, at the end of the day, it is a spiritual scam. Um, and it's, it's a con. It's a, it's a cleverly devised scheme. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to, at this moment at least, uh, uh, assume that I know all the motives of the higher-ups, but I don't believe they're good motives. And, and there's, there's a lot of issues in this church. As you're going to see as we begin the Staff of Moses series, Ong Song Hong himself, if you actually just look at his teachings, uh, he, he contradicts the core teachings of the WMSCOG over and over again. Um, and so we're doing this because we care about you. We want to we just continue this conversation. Give us feedback in the comments. Tell us if you think we, we misrepresented you. Um, and we're going to, if we think you're, you're incorrect that we misrepresented you, we'll, we'll push back on that too. Um, be honest, be thoughtful in your responses. Um, we do want to hear from you, but we don't want to hear, you know, the garbage about see what judgment day and things like that. Like that's, that's not helping anybody. Um, that doesn't prove anything. It's not productive. Than, other than that, you probably have fear in your own heart about judgment day. That would lead you to say that to us is kind of my psychological analysis of that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we love you guys. We care about you. That's why we're doing this. Um, and, uh, Yeah. And Any everything we say guys? is our opinion and our experience. Yes, right. Our opinion and our experience from testimonies and, and things like that, talking to members. So, All right, Kelsey, Steve, thanks for doing this. It's 1 o'clock in the morning where I'm at. Don't know what time <laughs> it is there, but probably time Eleven. to wrap this up and, and go to bed. So. All right, guys. Okay. All right. Good night, everybody. Thank all. you. You have been listening to The Great Light Podcast. To find more information and resources or to watch our films, go to greatlightstudios.com or find us on Facebook and YouTube. If you want to support this program and partner with the Ministry of Great Light Studios, you can do so through our website. There you can also find both video and audio versions of this podcast.